Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Coming up, our look at round one of the NFL Draft. You can't compare anybody to Simmons. Simmons is the prototype. We run through some hits. Dallas stealing C.D. Lamb at number 17. And misses. I think they were the ones that are going to come out of this draft with a poor grade. We look ahead to day two tonight. Tonight and tomorrow. And some trades to look for before the day is done. He's sitting there with Joe Dooney right now trying to beg Miami for a second round draft pick. This is the Scouts Honor Podcast with inside information. Philadelphia is trying to do everything they can to leave Cloud Dallas. And unique perspective. You're going to think you're in a blizzard. There's going to be a total freeze from Aaron Rodgers. From Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host, Paul Crane. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the founder of the Poor Man's Guide to the NFL Draft. It's Dave T. Thomas. Round one of the draft last night. We're getting ready for rounds two and three tonight. And Dave T., all right, where do we start? I guess with uh, what are some of the things that jumped out to you right out of the gate on what happened last night? Well, I'm glad I got stock in AT&T because thanks to Tom Dimitrov over here, uh, uh, the stock should be going up this morning. I, I, You know, we were expecting him to hit a home run, but look what happened. Not till we got to pick 13 was a trade, and it was really just a switch off over there. He tried to get the number two, the number three, the number four, the number seven, the number eight, the number nine. He was making so many offers out there, I thought he was done calling me on. Uh, <laughs> But he ended up getting a quality cornerback. I tell people, man, C.J. Henderson is the next Vernon Hargraves. Terrell over here is probably, how could I put it, even more steadier than Jeff Okadoo, who went with the third pick in the draft. Watch, folks, especially down in Atlanta. Do not jump off the ledge on this guy. This guy over here within two years will be in a Pro Bowl. Wow. All right. Well, that was... uh... Of course, watching it unfold, since you mentioned Atlanta and taking uh, Terrell out of Clemson, I know you've spoken on this podcast frequently about don't look at the championship game. This guy was sick as a dog with a fever of 102 or 103. Look at the body of work, and the body of work uh, is pretty solid. Yeah, you know, you kind of go back and look at one thing, 29-1. and That was his record as a starter. And his worst game that he had in college ended up bringing that one loss. Okay. Well, that, which says enough. And then, speaking of Atlanta, we've talked a lot about them. This was a team that and you referenced to have, you should have had stock in AT&T because of how Thomas Dimitrov was on the phone. How much was it? How high was he trying to go? And in the end, they ended up not making any deals at all. Two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, eleven. 
12. He was all over the place. I think that the, the rest of the league over there was seeing TD coming up on their speed dial and saying, let the call go into my entering machine. But look what he ends up getting over here. He ends up getting a guy with a muscular physique, defined upper body tone, tight waist and hips, really good bubble, strong thighs. He has the ideal size you look for in a lockdown cornerback, displays incredible athleticism, shows above average body control. He has exceptional quickness, and even the 4-4-3 at the Combines was one of his slower times. Uh, in addition to doing a fine job of keeping his feet on the move, shows the agility, the balance to redirect, and the change of direction skills to work his way back quickly to the perimeter. I love his smooth hips. He shows explosion out of his plan. He's smooth in his movements, runs with ease, staying on the hip of the receiver working upfield. He has a strong hand punch to consistently reroute opponents. 34 reroutes last year, Paul. His main floor is he looks like a businessman on the field. He, he won't be the type that will make a big hit and then jump up and down in the air and flex his muscles. He's the type of guy that when he steps on the field, he brings his briefcase with him. So he's ready to go day one. Oh, God. I mean, that, that was a perfect pickup. Now, if they could only get keep their safeties on the field for at least a full 16. Yeah, well, that's a whole other story. It's certainly been injury riddled uh, in that defensive backfield for Atlanta but uh, before we leave Atlanta you said all those different places even last night Tonis Dimitrov was on the phone we had spoken previously about you anticipated him landing between seven and nine and at eight he had something in place with the Cardinals but of course when we got to eight oh my goodness Isaiah Simmons was still available for Arizona they're not trading out of that spot with Simmons falling out of the top five Oh, no way, Jose. I mean, you turn around right now, you end up with a guy that, look at most of the draft analysts over there, and look at what they call the comparison chart. Everybody put down none, because you can't compare anybody to Simmons. Simmons is the prototype. This is a guy that steps on the field, and look what he does. Now, if you want a mini version of that, go ahead and take Winfield in round two. It was a surprise that he slid there. Uh, the Raiders said that they had intentions of taking him. Next thing you know, Mayock pulls the plug. He goes for another Ohio State cornerback, and he takes Arnett. I don't know. After Jibron Conley, uh, the disaster with Eli Apple, no knock on Arnett. We spoke about him yesterday that he was probably uh, sliding into the first-round picture. But you look at their history with Ohio State cornerbacks. It hasn't been a happy uh, occurrence for them. It'd be one of the few places because Ohio State's corners have uh, become so solid in recent years. They would be rivaling uh, what LSU likes to call itself as DBU. But uh, nonetheless, with a guy like Winfield sliding out, and we'll talk about what to anticipate later tonight. But you mentioned the Raiders. Uh, we kind of touched on Miami. Let's go back to Miami because that was another team that we kind of thought was going to be really aggressive in terms of moving up. And in the end, they moved down. And I think they had you scratching your head more than once. Uh you know, going for two hours, uh, it's a great risk. But he is a fine athlete out there. However, they go ahead and take Offensive tackle with the 18th pick in the draft, Austin Jackson, who struggled mightily through the beginning of the season over here before the last four or five games he settled down. Yes, he's only 20 years old, but Paul, 
Look around the league. Everybody wants a left tackle. Why? Because it protects the blind side of the right-handed quarterback. Now they draft a left-handed quarterback. That obviously makes your right tackle the man that's covering the blind side of your QB. Meanwhile, they bring in Austin Jackson over here. Austin Jackson and Everett Flowers on the left side of the line over here. If I'm too well, I'm really wishing that they redshirt me for a season. <laughs> wow. And then even at the end, that was where I know we had talked to Antoine Winfield on this podcast. You had indications. You mentioned the Raiders. But even at number 30, when Miami had its third first-round pick, they go with Noah Igbenegany out of Auburn instead of Antoine Winfield. And, and not that uh, Noah I out of Auburn isn't a quality defensive back, but how much did that surprise you there instead of Antoine Winfield? Round two, round three, but here's the thing that I'm looking at. I just spent $82 million on Byron Jones. I got Howard over on my other side. What the hell do I need a third cornerback for in the first round draft pick, especially when they needed help uh, in a lot of places? In the backfield, look what happened. Clyde edwards Larry ends up closing out round one. I mean, you take him, you take Swift, you put him in the backfield with Miami, and you got yourself a quality uh, team to start building upon. Uh, they were two questionable moves by Miami, and I think they were the ones that are going to come out of this draft with a poor grade if they keep on drafting at this precedent. Wow. All right. Well, uh, you kind of touched on, go back to at the top of the draft, I think the first move that kind of went off of chalk, so to speak, but stayed in the right place was Andrew Thomas of Georgia to the Giants at number four. A lot of people thought if they were going to go tackle, they were going to go Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. He ended up falling all the way to 13, where the Buccaneers moved up a spot to, to grab him. But uh, how do you feel and how do you think the, the Giants fans should feel about Andrew Thomas at number four? I think what you look at over here is you got the most consistent offensive tackle in this draft. And if you follow Dave Gettleman's uh, format over the years, he is, does not like taking a right tackle with a top five selection. So that made uh, uh, logical that he was going to have to go for a left tackle. Could Worbs have possibly played left tackle moving over after Soldier gets uh, canned after this year? Uh, I think that you, you go back and read some of the recent articles on Werps. He says he's more comfortable playing on the right side of the line. So why take uh, a key element on the right side and try to train him to play on the left side? Yes, Fleming, yes, Gates will uh, combat for the right tackle position, but there's a lot of tackles out there. They could come up and take an Ezra Cleveland in round two. More than likely in round three, the Giants are going to find their center and Matt Hennessy out of Temple, especially with Ruiz off the board, which was a puzzling pick by the New Orleans Saints. That's two centers in a row. Well, not only that is, I mean, you look at McCoy right now. McCoy is going to replace Pouncey pretty soon as the preeminent center in, uh, in the NFL. Ruiz struggled early in his career when he played God. So to me, I look at this thing as being a wasted pick. All righty. So that's for the New Orleans Saints going Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Uh, before we uh, – got a couple of other offensive linemen I want to ask you about before we go to some other places and, of course, look ahead to the oh, second Oh, we're going to talk rounds. about the stupidity in Cleveland? Yeah, let's go on that soon. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's just jump right to that. Jedrick Wills from Alabama, certainly one of the top tackles, but 
they passed on Tristan Wirfs at number 10, took Jedrick Wills, and okay, uh, what's the thought process there, Dave T.? Well, I can understand passing on Wurfs because they just spent all that buku bucks on Connolly to play right tackle. But however, Jedrick Wills in uh, elementary school, in high school, in college, he has played every down at right tackle. He does not have one play at the left tackle position. Now we go back to that old saying with offensive linemen. Trying to make a left, uh, a right tackle, a left tackle over here is like trying to wipe your butt with the other hand. And that's what Cleveland has done. This is not a guy that's going to start for them at left tackle. If so, if I'm Baker Mayfield right now, I'm sitting back there and going, where is that duck? I got to get myself some insurance. If you're a defensive coordinator and you see Jedrick Wills from Alabama starting at left tackle for the Browns from day one, you're going to have a good week game planning, I guess, huh? And and then you go to the New York Jets here. They are crying need to get themselves some weapons for for Donald. They go ahead and take Beckman. If you saw the family picture over there, I don't know how they squeezed them all into one shot. <laughs> I mean, th- this is a kid that has an onus on him, a red flag from the failed drug test. This is a kid that if you go back and watch on film, he had a 70 uh, point two grade. 70 is passing. This is not a guy that's going to move laterally on you. Now, if you're going to run at the guy, you're going to hit a brick wall. But this is not a guy I'm going to be seeing making too many second-level runs. If so, I'm going to need an oxygen tank on the sidelines. Wow. Uh, All right. Well, another offensive lineman, you had indicated earlier this week on this podcast, don't be surprised if Georgia's Isaiah Wilson slides into the end of the first round. I love that. The Tennessee Titans took him at 29. He's not ready for prime time, and he's going to need another year. They got they have themselves some quality backups uh, that will play right tackle till he's ready. But by 2021, that's the second coming of Trent Brown. I really enjoyed Tennessee doing that because they have an eye on the future. Look at the money that they spent on Tannehill, the money that's probably going to cost them next year on Henry. You might as well have yourself a big piece of meat on that front wall. You had indicated in our prior to the first round podcast that three quarterbacks were going to go in the first six picks, and sure enough, they did. No one surprised that Joe Burrow went number one. The fact that the Dolphins took Tua Tungavaloa from Alabama at number five, I don't think is a huge surprise, but uh, you also did anticipate Justin Herbert out of Oregon going to the Chargers at six. What is that pick going to be to you in, in the long term? Well, if they're going to look to put him out there on the field this year, no, 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 lover boy. Because if you do that, you're going to have to change your offense in season. They're opening with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is a much more mobile quarterback than you're going to get from Herbert. Herbert, to me, is sort of like uh, Blaine Gabbett met Ryan Tannehill before Tannehill finally had his breakout with Tennessee. (laughs) I, I, I look at that pick over there. For what they want to do in the future, yes, he could be a good quarterback. But this is not a guy that's ever going to lead you to the promised land. Wide receivers are a a position that we talked about a lot on this podcast, how deep it was, and it may be a bigger uh, position on day two than day one. But as you had indicated, several uh, did go in the first round. I'm not sure they went in the order everyone thought they were going to go. The first one off the board was Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. 
at number 12 to the Raiders, and it was after that that Jerry Judy followed 15 to the Broncos. C.D. Lamb fell to 17 to the Cowboys. Jalen Rager, 21 to the Eagles, and Justin Jefferson to the Vikings, who didn't wait any longer. They jumped up and grabbed him at 22. Your thoughts, Oh, my sir? God. I thought C.D. Lamb was going to end up the Raiders. Uh, you look at Henry Ruggs over here. I liken it to back when Al took uh, uh, Hayward Bay, uh, the guy that's now with Pittsburgh, Blown away by his speed, but the problem was he couldn't get off the line of scrimmage against a, a strong press. Ruggs has that same issue. Now, Ruggs is known for his escapability, but unless you get off the line of scrimmage, you got a problem. And if you go back and look at his medical records at Alabama, he's had a long series of hamstring issues. Now you're going to play the guy over there with the Raiders? Those hammies are his. I think that's going to be a blown pick down the road. I give him three years before the Raiders fight. Wow. Okay. Uh, very. I think the best picks at the wide receiver position was Dallas Steele and C.D. Lamb at number 17. Yeah, they have two quality receivers right now, but you can never have enough weapons out there for Dak Prescott. I think that the best pickup of any wide receiver was done by Minnesota at 22. I think Justin Jefferson is just up. Very perfect compliment. So they end up replacing Diggs with Jefferson over here and still end up with three additional, uh, four additional draft picks in the long run. And they turned around and traded one of those picks away to move up in the dra- uh, move around in the draft itself. Hmm. Very interesting. They ended up with all of the cornerbacks that they lost. They end up trading down for number 25 with San Francisco. Pick up uh, uh, pick number 117 and another pick later on day three. Then they go ahead and take a cornerback over there. I thought it was going to be Jalen Johnson, but I'm not going to cry with Jeff Gladney being the guy. That's out of TCU. The Vikings took him at number 31. So uh, some of the guys that are still on the board, I know you talked a lot about Denzel Mims out of Baylor. He did not end up making it into the back end of of round one, but he's available on day two. One of several talented receivers that we, we probably will see come off the board tonight. The thing with uh, with Dallas is Dallas gave a double whammy out there because Philadelphia was trying to do everything they can to leapfrog uh, Dallas to get C.D. Lamb itself. What did they do? They end up getting the worst rece- uh, the most overrated wide receiver in this draft than Jalen Rager. He thought they would learn their lesson after Nelson Aguilar's problems with them over the years, but uh, they replaced one problem with another problem. Hmm. And then what about uh, San Francisco? They traded to get Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State coming off an injury, but uh, certainly a player I know that uh, you think highly of when healthy. Well, he, they move up uh, six spots in the draft. The 117 that they got was in their earlier trade uh, when they moved to 14. Uh, the, so they sent Tampa Bay's pick over. So actually this whole thing just came down to the move up five spots. It cost them a fifth-round draft pick. And they got a quality wide do you receiver. See, do you see? Do you see the arms on Ayuk? I mean, I'm over here in Arizona. I seen this kid's play. He comes out of the locker room. He's already damaging his knuckles by scraping on the ground. <laughs> uh, and he's got uh, an 81 inch reach. He's only five foot eleven. Right. So uh, he can go up and get it. And I know you've you've spoken highly of him. I, I know that um, the very next pick was one that. Man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in Green Bay. The Packers, you had said, (laughs) quote, unquote, after the 
love for Jordan Love out of Utah State was being shown by Miami and the Chargers at five and six. As it we got closer to draft day, you said you wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Love became this year's Aaron Rodgers. And after receiving top 10 attention, that he would slide down in the first round. You also said yesterday, don't be surprised if it becomes this year's Aaron Rodgers and then becomes this year's Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay. And sure enough, the Packers in round one get a quarterback instead of more receiver help for Aaron Rodgers. Well, it's sort of like history repeating itself, and I think the general manager and head coach embraced the Ron Wolf effect. You could never have enough quarterbacks out there. Now they have the replacement in fold for when Aaron Rodgers leaves. It's probably going to be three years down the road before Florida, uh, before uh, Love gets on the field. Of course, if they end up cutting uh, Aaron Rodgers after this year, they're over the next three years, they're going to be sitting with $95 million worth of dead money. Wow. So it, that they're not cutting him. Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Not the- I'm predicting right now this is going to be, if you're standing on the sidelines in August and those two are on the sidelines over there, you're going to think you're in a blizzard. There's going to be a total freeze from Aaron Rodgers when it comes down to being a mentor for the new quarterback of the future. Why? Because you go back and look at history repeating himself. When Fob was there at age 36, they brought in Rodgers, who slid in a draft but was just too good to pass up. What happened with Rodgers and Fob? I mean, even till today, they still don't talk to each other. Now, here it is, ironically, Rodgers is age 36, who walks through the door is love. Wow. And I was just thinking exactly that, because if Jordan Lovett ended up in a place like New Orleans, that might be a different situation in a relationship and a potential mentorship with someone like Drew Brees in Green Bay. Well, man, I'd well, it certainly f- would have given them uh, 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 their future set because Brees is only likely around for a year, and then we go back to the McCoy Ruiz situation over here. No way in hell Ruiz beats out McCoy uh, for the center position, and if they move McCoy to a guard spot to give Ruiz his chance at center over here, they're weakening two positions. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Uh, as we get ready for tonight, rounds two and three, you had mentioned New England. We'd talked a lot about them. They made a trade last night and they got into the second round. Are they done, do you think? And what are some of the places if we talk about look at the Patriots as we get ready to, to focus on round two and three? They got four third-round draft picks over here. They got second-rounder that they wanted. I still see him Bill trading some of those third-rounders to get an additional second round. But let's call tonight and tomorrow Bill and the Blue Collar uh, Crew. That's what it's really going to come down to. He traded away a, quant- a quality to go out and get quantity. But if you look at the New England roster right now, they were severely damaged in veteran free agency. On top of that, he's sitting there with Joe Dooney right now trying to beg Miami for a second-round draft pick for him. Uh, likely, we're going to see that trade go down today. Wow. All right. So Joe Tooney may end up going to Miami today if they complete that. And that'll get Paul, some... $7 million over the cap right now. Tooney's on board for fourteen eight. They're going to have no choice. Well, that would only end up getting him more assets to, to move around. And, and... Well, 
Well, that's why people out there were saying, you know, the Gronk trade, oh, that really sucked, man. You know, he didn't get enough value. I would have gone ahead and got that. Do you realize that not only trading Gronk, he got something in return. The guy already said, I'm not coming back to play with you. I want to go play with Tom. So get something of value for that with the fourth round draft pick. On top of it, $2.5 million of cap money was saved from the $9 million in dead money they would have carried on to Gronk this year. When talking about New England and now gathering all these other assets, potentially more to come, you say, one of the reasons you had mentioned earlier in the week that Bill was interested in getting back into the second round was looking at a quarterback like Jake Fromm. But you've also said New Orleans has shown interest, but they don't have a second round pick and some other teams. So if we start looking at some players who are going to come off the board later tonight, do you still think? Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm has moved up to the point where he's going to become a second-round pick with someone tonight, whether it's Bill and the Patriots or someone else? Yes, and the reason why I'm saying that is over there, people were looking at him as a Bob Greasy clone. Very smart, may not have that cannon of an arm, but he's able to move the ball. Then we got to go back and look at the two quarterbacks that ended up leaving the Georgia program because Fromm just beat the pants out of them. And we're talking about Eason, and we're talking about Fields. I think that what we're going to see tonight, Bill will try to get another second-round draft pick, and with the second second-round draft pick, that's where I'm predicting that Fromm will probably end up going. You cannot go into this season with a Hoyer and a Stidham and that's it on your roster. I think that Bill will enjoy, how could I put it, the football speak that he will get out of from. But you got to look at what they're going into today. They got themselves some issues on that offensive line. I think that with his uh, with the first second round pick, he's probably going to look at that. But you also got to look at what's out there. You got yourself Antoine Winfield. You got two safeties right now that are age 32 or beyond. Uh, he likes AJ Epinenza from Iowa. That could be a pick. Gross Matos from Penn State is sitting out there. Uh, tempting for him, even though he has Sonny Michelle in the backfield. Also, Jonathan Taylor is on board. There's Zach Bourne, who he really loves, but I'm seeing him probably going number 36 to the Giants. I was going to say New England's second-round pick right now is at 37, right after the Giants, who own the fourth pick of round two. And if that Tooney deal comes through with Miami. Miami's at 39, two picks later. If that were to be something that would be included, or do you think they have to go somewhere else? They also own, Miami owns number 56 in the second round. Bill Bobo try to keep it close. If he gets a pick, you know, two spots down, more than likely he'll look at a receiver like Michael Pittman. But if he gets a pick in the 50s or the early 60s over here, that's an ideal place to bring in from. You had mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He's on the board. DeAndre Swift out of Georgia is on the board. Either of those two, when this process started, we thought could be first-round picks. It turns out Clyde Thanks Edwards... for J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, there you go. And I think what it came down to is that we're disregarding the running back position. We'd much rather go by committee than go with a featured running back. But Swift, Dobbins, uh, Taylor's still sitting out there. These guys are going to come in and stuff or whatever team drafts them. Cam Akers from Florida State is another back that's still on the board. We anticipated He's more round three, I think, because of the quality of the receivers and the offensive tackles that are still sitting on the board. 
So you had mentioned Antoine Winfield. Again, we uh, had spoken with him here on the podcast. Uh, he's probably going to come off the board fairly early tonight. But Xavier McKinney is another safety that you thought was going to be the first one off the board, yet he's still out there for round two. Thank God nobody took Grant Ilpert, huh? <laughs> well, well, you kind of had indicated that back in during the season. That uh, I don't know. I not... look at the LSU defense, Sands Patrick Queen over here, and I go rough, rough. Because yeah. they are rough around the edges. <laughs> well, Queen did go in the first round. You said he would, and he he went at twenty eight to the Ravens. Uh, not to spend too much Perfect. time going back. Up, yeah, I was going to say that seems to be a great fit. You got a Derek Brooks guy that's going to end up playing the Ray Lewis position. How much better could that be? And look what they did to their defensive line. Having Calais Campbell alone in that locker room over there, I don't care if a kid is 16 years old. He's going to learn a lot from that veteran. Another place, now we, we've talked about some of the wide receivers. Mims and Pittman are still out there. The safeties, McKinney and Winfield. We've talked about the running backs, Taylor, Dobbins, Swift. They're all still out there. Uh, when we go up front, Marlon Davidson from Auburn is still out there. Jordan Elliott from Mizzou is still out there. And there are several others that uh, are, are on the board that we could see come off fairly quickly tonight. Yeah, I was thinking that Davidson would go with the tail end of one, but when San Francisco uh, uh, went ahead and got Kinlaw at number 14, that sort of took him out of the element because I do know San Francisco really liked the guy. They could still go ahead and draft him because, understand, this is a guy that could play five-tech, he could play three-tech, so they could move him around quite a bit, even though they have a formidable defensive line at this point. I think that what we're probably going to see is San Fran's going to get back into round two itself. If we're going to be seeing Justin uh, Matabuki out of Texas A&M probably go before Elliott goes in this draft. But look at the offensive linemen that are still out there. we got Ezra Cleveland. we got Josh Jones. we got Danny Pinter. So we're, we're still seeing a lot of quality in round two, and I think it will still carry over into round three. Bill with four draft picks in round four over there. He's probably going yum, yum, eat him up. And uh, is going to control much of this night. Before we put a ribbon on this, one guy we haven't mentioned yet. I know uh, I'm already anticipating hearing from you when he comes off the board, and that's uh, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Tight end slash wide receiver slash talented player in the making and waiting for someone uh, later tonight. Tail end round two, if not with those four picks in round three, boy, New England could definitely use themselves in the physicality at the wide receiver spot. And they, i still telling people out there, do not be surprised if you see Nikhil Harry end up in a trade before this is all over with. I think Bill understands that he made a terrible mistake taking the kid. The kid has no route conception whatsoever. So we could see the Patriots add assets in this draft today slash tonight by moving Joe Tooney and moving Nikhil Harry. They got no choice right now. Like I say, there's seven million dollars over the cap. So you take uh you take Tooney off the boards over here, you're eight million dollars ahead. Uh, it's it's Bill's way of not rebuilding but regenerating his lineup. And you go back over there, Bill is not the type, even though guys did end up becoming superstars, he looked at number one and number two at the position as equal talent. If you contribute, I'll put you on the field. If you're not, I'll get you out of town. 
And it looks like a couple may go out of town, but we'll watch that unfold as the day and then the evening go on. Anything else strikes you before we put a ribbon on this? Yeah, one, Seattle not trading down in the draft, and it was a good move because I say they got probably the steal in the draft in Jordan Brooks. Mm, Okay, and that's the, the linebacker out of Texas Tech in our linebacker podcast. You did talk about him, and uh, he sure enough did become a first-round pick. And Seattle usually likes to, to move out, but uh, but they stayed. And, and I guess, obviously, he's the reason why. Going one pick ahead of Patrick Queen. Well, you got to look at what's going on out there with the talent in the second round. I come up in round two. If I need a middle linebacker right now, I am jumping all out to Wyoming, man, and taking Logan Wilson. There's a lot of talent we're going to see going off the board tonight. Another sleeper that I'm anticipating hearing his name tonight, but it may not be until round three. However, the way you've said people have talked about him is Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. Silver and black. Okay. Silver and black. I mean, you put him and my man Max Gunny on the other side over here. Oh, boy. There is going to be a lot of disturbance in opposing backfields. Is that going to be, you think, around two or around three? Well, it depends on how uh, Chucky is going at the moment. I mean, you, you go back and look at this, no knock on Arnett, but there were a whole lot better quality on the board to fill needs for the Raiders before they would have gone for an Arnett. Which, again, you've already touched on the corner out of Ohio State that they took at Now, 19. if they don't take Highsmith, uh, more than likely I see them jumping on the Notre Dame kid, Julian Aquara. He's pretty up on that board. And you had mentioned Atlanta was a team that has been paying attention to Highsmith. Yeah. You see why I would have passed on Arnett and I would have gone doubled up at the wide receiver position. Now you got Terrell Williams and you got your draft pick. Uh, I still need more weaponry over there, no matter whether it's Mariota or Carr tossing the ball. Uh, one thing that I figured was they would wait till round two or round three and take the most productive cornerback out there, and that's Amik Robinson from Louisiana Tech. Whoever gets him is going to get the hardest worker, and for his height, five foot nine, he plays like he's six, uh, six foot five. That's another of those names we uh, anticipate coming off the board later tonight. We'll enjoy the evening, the rest of the weekend. Again, it was great to have a sense of normalcy. Oh, how could we enjoy the rest of the weekend? Look at all of those crazy coaches that are going to be picking them rounds four to seven. <laughs> now, that's where we're going to see a lot of action. My biggest surprise uh, with the draft was we waited till pick 13 before we finally had a trade. That was kind of surprising, especially with all the talk you had said even last night. Dimitrov uh, of Atlanta was burning up the phone lines, but just not getting to the finish line and everything. Miami as well. We saw San Francisco make two trades, beginning with that pick 13, when it was only flipping one spot with Tampa Bay. That kind of was a head-scratcher, too. Well, they then turned that asset, San Francisco, that, uh, that pick that they got, pick number 117, packaged it up to move from 31 up to 25. How much activity do you see us doing? Where, by the way, that's where they took Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State. So uh, with you've already mentioned how active you think Bill Belichick is going to be before he picks up. If either or both of those deals, Tooney and Harry, happen and he ends up picking up more draft picks, how many draft picks can one team have? I mean, he's already loaded to the brim. Well, you know, uh, Miami has 14 picks and they made one decent one. 
and two horrible ones. So hopefully they'll be able to get back on day two, day three, and do some things right over here. But buddy, man, we're playing with a chess master with five picks tonight, and that's Bill. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to be curious because I still think he's going to be moving around the chessboard quite a bit. All right. Well, I'm already looking at like it's going to be a messy night for some people's uh, draft trackers as we write down. It'll be like being in an extra inning baseball game or, or or trying to keep score when they bat around in an inning. So like, all right, we're ready. Use the whiteout, scratch out, whatever you end up doing, and we'll see what happens. Hey, uh, at least tonight, uh, seven fan bases out there will finally get to see that team make a pick. Oh, well, that's true. It's not like we missed them, but uh, but you're right. The, the first round, as smoothly as it went, did not include everyone. And this round over here, number two, we're going to see a lot of jockeying. There's a lot of talent still sitting out there. Oh, right. my God, imagine uh, imagine the team that ends up with Kyle Duger. Not only did they get in themselves a quality, strong safety, they got probably the best punt returner in this draft. That's another, that's a, a, a Georgia kid who went to uh, Lenore Ryan, a uh, small Division II school, and, and you have said over and over he could become the most impactful safety in this draft when you look down the road three years or more in his career. And I hate to be New England-specific over here, but I'm pretty much sure that another Georgia native that played at Middle Tennessee, edge rusher, outside linebacker Tyshawn Render, will end up in a Patriots uniform. More things for us to keep an eye on tonight. Really looking forward to it. Like I said, it's just nice to have normal sports and appreciate the NFL doing it. We can only hope that when this weekend is done, they'll be able to figure out a way to get to some kind of a training camp and a season as we move forward. But we know that's probably going to be way down the road. But uh, until then, we'll enjoy what we have in front of us right now. Dave T., thank you very much for all the insight and information once again. Well, you know, New York Giants fans do not sit out there and start making Eric Flowers uh, comparisons with Andrew Thomas. You got yourself a star in the making. Uh, For Atlanta fans over here, hey, TD tried to do whatever he can. You ended up with the second-best cornerback in the draft. And tonight, our Pittsburgh listeners, welcome aboard. All right. They'll be in action tonight. I know you will be as well, Dave T. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who's listened. We'll look forward to having you right back here on the next Scouts on a Podcast. One last thing, folks. I am busy, busy, busy at work. If you got any questions uh, to send over to me, please refrain till Monday as the next three days over here, two days of beating myself to death. Third day is I need to sit down and catch my brain self. Well, the reminder on that is the email address, scoutshonorpodcast, all one word, no apostrophe, scoutshonorpodcast at gmail.com. But stand by for a follow-up. Dave T. will get to those emails. Again, Dave T., take care. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus